0: Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors.
1: It's not supposed to be a surprise, Jason. (laughs) You
0: gotta have good afternoon from
1: the row crop short course and our continuing work into the platinum sponsorships offered by companies here. And this afternoon we have BASF with us.
0: Kaylin Saul is our are you our technical services representative? Is that the right words? Yep. Okay. Kaylin's our tech service rep. And then Andrew Stolte, did that's I say correct. that right, Andrew? Uh, Stolte, close enough, Stolte. we'll roll okay. with it.
2: But I'm a, the new Stoneville rep for Northwest Mississippi here, primarily covering uh, from Greenville up to the Tennessee State Line, all along the river there. Okay. That's a good part of the state. It yeah. is. I'm happy like to be there. I do
1: too. Well, and <laughs> we're happy to have you. I mean, that's it's good to have someone new. It's good then to put a name with a face so when you call at some point, we'll actually know who you are.
0: Thank y'all so much for the sponsorship. Y'all do a great deal for us you know, beyond the, the short course. Uh, we've always worked really closely with BASF, so we appreciate your sponsorship here and then your sponsorship of our programs on campus and, and elsewhere too, Tom and I being at Stoneville. Whichever one wants to go first, take a minute and just tell folks what BASF's about and kind of the, the new and exciting things that they have to offer our growers.
2: Yeah, so I'll kind of focus on our seed side here a little bit like kennel. Kaylin handles some of our Kim side. Uh, here, this coming season, we'll be launching our new accent flex varieties. Some of them, we had an advancement meeting coming up here soon to kind of know uh, a little bit more about what those will be. They'll be hitting the market here soon. Um, this has been an innovation that we've been working on for many years now, and are very excited to finally bring it to market. Uh, so it, it, we feel like you're going to have a, a good fit here in this Delta Mississippi, even over here in the Hills region, um, moving forward here, and it'll be a, a good change of pace for our portfolio in the coming years.
0: And tell folks a little bit about what that is and what makes it unique, Andrew.
2: So the Accent Flex portfolio here will be the first quad quad stack herbicide trait coming to the market here for cottonseed. Um, it will have, obviously, your your typical three traits right now of glyphosate, glufosinate, and dicamba, um, as well as the fourth trait will be an HPPD inhibitor um, paired with our chemistry Elite 27, which uh, let's say I'll let Kaylin focus on that there. yeah. But It'll be it'll be a great innovation here and help with a lot of resistance issues that we're starting to see show up in in everyday lives.
3: And uh, for Elite Twenty Seven, that isn't currently registered, so um, you know you still have those three other traits that you can rely on as well. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And we're going to have a limited launch next year, um, and there will be additional training that needs to go with that um, moving forward.
1: What else does VASF have right now that's new? I mean, I. I Jason and I obviously have looked at a lot of the new products that are available in the market. So why don't do you talk about you know newer herbicide technologies, uh, any of the newer fungicide products that are out there?
3: Mainly wanted to talk to you to, you guys today about uh, Ziduo SC and some new methods that we have for applying Ziduo SC specifically in cotton, um, and then. Uh, Additionally, we also wanted to talk about uh, Revilock fungicide, which is a new fungicide that we have, and we're planning to launch that in 2024.
1: Well, I know Steckel, Larry, Dr. Steckel, talked about... um the Zidua application in Tennessee and looking at some of those plots. And I think that's important. That's definitely a new way to, to put out um, the herbicide with a particular practice whereby you're not doing multiple passes across the field. And I think that's important for, for farmers to consider. And then obviously the research that has gone into that to, to prove that that's an effective method for weed control as well as getting out the, uh, the fertilizer.
3: Definitely. And I guess one of the things that we wanted to make sure to focus on is that, you know, we have these two different options, but whichever option works better for you, especially in cotton, um, you know, just use, use whichever one is going to work better for you. So, you know, if impregnated fertilizer is going to be a better option for you, that's great. But also we have the option to do drop nozzles as well.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing right now is we're, we're focusing on the flexibility of Zidu see of how many crops can go on already. So now we're trying to help make it more flexible for cotton growers to use these days. And with these two application methods, we're seeing, you know, the, the exact kind of application that we need to get the control, but as well as allowing these farmers to have that flexibility to, you know, some farmers don't need to go acro- across with, say, dry fertilizer and, you know, maybe their fertility programs where it needs to be. So with the drop nozzle program and the, the drop nozzles that we have partnered with, uh, we found to be the best fit. There's only, there's more added flexibility for your residual application, but as well as application of other chemistries or even fungicides or insecticide products and even other crops.
0: Tom, I vaguely remember having this conversation with you last summer. Don't put Zidu over the top of your cotton. No. Doesn't end well.
1: No, I'm pretty sure we had that conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, that, and that's the whole impetus for the impregnating on the fertilizer or the drop nozzles obviously, is to keep it off that the cotton canopy because it is uh, ugly, to say the least. And that's going all the way back to KI-485 before BASF even had it. We we sprayed some over the top of cotton. like, ooh,
3: don't do that. Yeah, no, definitely a very important point. And uh, specifically the drop nozzles, we also want to make sure to touch on the fact that it's not just specific to using those in cotton. You can use those in corn or soybeans, too. Um, so it's very similar to a lay-by application that would be, Um, you know traditional but the drop nozzles are more rigid and they have two nozzles that come off of it and um, just allows you to get underneath that canopy which is where we want it to be anyways because we want it to get to that soil surface and and then get activated and do what it needs to do.
0: Now I don't know if the ones I saw last summer were prototype or commercial but they were not your traditional floppy drop nozzle. They're definitely, like yeah. you said, Kalen, more rigid. But then there was some flex to it too, maybe at the junction of the drop and the boom. So I, I was encouraged by it. I mean, it, it, seemed, it seemed like a durable add-on to a boom.
2: Yeah, the, these new drop nozzle styles here these days are very much more rigid. I have some experience coming from back in my time in West Texas. and I can't understand, But What I like about them best is they're rigid for one. Just like you said, they're not their, your typical floppy drop nozzle. But as well as getting them on and off your boom, once you get the brackets installed, is a spring clip. So as soon as you get your brackets installed, it's one spring clip per nozzle, sort of per row, and then you just pull it right on off. It's no none of this of every you know you yeah, got to right. pull your hose off, but it's not like you uh, have to go take them on and off every time. And so a, a quick turnaround. We we worked with a grower who had a hundred twenty foot boom sprayer. Uh, you can't obviously put it on your outside sections due to the way it folds up, but your inside, you know, two wings in your middle, uh, once you get your brackets installed, and so to flip a sprayer to go from lay-buying with, with these drop nozzles to actual, you know, regular crop spraying, it took us a total of about 15 minutes to pull the nozzles off or put them back on, per se.
0: Pretty quick turnaround.
2: Kalen, you briefly touched on RevLock. Why don't you talk
1: a little bit about that? And I know that, that won't gain commercial registration, is not that correct, until 2024?
3: Uh, yeah. So we're we're already actually accepting orders. So okay. yeah, we it's full on launch for 2024.
1: So yeah. you'll have available product for 2024. Yes. And what's BASF targeting for specific organisms that have the most efficacy in soybeans?
3: Yes. So um, this is uh, a product that we're specifically focusing on launching in soybeans. Um, as far as your application rate, it's going to be 5.5 to 6.5 fluid ounces per acre. Uh, as far as your timing in soybeans, we're looking at R2 to R3 timing, um, which you were asking specifically about pathogens or organisms that this is going to be good on. One thing to keep in mind is for aerial web blight, you want to be on the earlier side because timing is very, very important with that disease. Um, another disease it's really good on is Cercospora leaf blight, septoria brown, Um
1: Septoria brown spot. Yep, Septoria brown spot.
3: And I'm not sure if you wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know that one's maybe not as big of a target in our area. And then also the final one is uh, frog eye leaf spot. I would say...
1: Interestingly enough, we we podcasted this morning with Terry Spurlock, and I'm sure I shouldn't talk about one that we'll either have before or after this, but I I think it's worth mentioning. And, and I think Terry, some of Terry's work in Arkansas is suggesting that there may be more of a yield loss associated with that organism, and I think it's probably becoming more problematic. And I think a lot of that is more so related to fungicide resistance having developed within the greater population because we have probably – used a few too many qoi applications and locations and we've relied pretty heavily on that particular chemical class and that has pretty much gotten us into a little bit of a concern with that particular organism and a few others and i think we also talked with terry about the fact that you know the weed scientists have done a much better job with herbicide resistance and plant pathologists are probably coming to the table a little bit later than we should have for a lot of reasons and how that relates to this is when the QOI resistance has developed within some of those organisms, it has become more difficult to manage those with some different chemical classes. So, essentially, from an ecological, evolutionary standpoint, those organisms are more fit. And that fitness benefit, because for years, you're plant pathologists talking about what's the fitness cost. At this point, I think we should talk about it as a fitness benefit for the organism. When that organism has that substitution within the amino acid complex and it gains resistance to that QOI, it becomes more fit and therefore more difficult to manage with something that has a different set of chemicals in that product as Revitlock does, which it's a SDHI and a DMI. Yes. So you've taken that QOI out of that, which is good because I think, as I just mentioned we're recognizing that there is much greater resistance to that chemical class at this point. Septoria is one of those organisms that I think we're putting some attention towards. But as we talked about, with Terry, and, and I'll mention just briefly, it's difficult to work with in the lab. It's not real easy to culture that particular organism. It takes a few extra steps, and then it's hard to find somebody that wants to sit in the lab and do that work. Um, we've looked at it. Reveloc for one year in my program and unfortunately didn't have a lot of disease and I know you mentioned Kalen also frog eye leaf spot that's another one that has QOI resistance so having some additional tools that are available from a commercial standpoint will be beneficial and I think helpful for, helpful for farmers in locations that do have QOI resistance and know that at least and and at this point I think if we're growing soybeans in a state and you have frog eye leaf spot I'd probably wager that it's probably resistant to the QOIs, and you need to then focus on using something that either has a different premix, uh, make your own tank mix, but focus on using something in different chemical classes to manage that organ.
3: And that is a huge benefit of Reviloc, is that, like you said, so it's going to have a combination of two active ingredients, so it's a two mode of action product, and it's got Revisol active ingredient in there, and then also Xenium active ingredient in there. But yes, those are it's very important, especially as you're talking about increased QOI resistance with these different pathogens, to have another option in our toolbox.
1: And pretty much everything we've mentioned, you said, you know, area web light, there's QOI resistance within that particular organism, specifically in Louisiana. And I suspect in some other locations, there is in Septoria in the population, cornespora in the population, and I'm sure we probably would pick up a little bit. Of control in that particular organism as well with that product and then definitely within the frog eye population. And that's, you know, it, it's difficult sometimes because there's a lot involved in doing that work. You know, we talked about with Terry that you drive down the road and see that we missed a Johnson grass plant. It's pretty easy to see at 70 miles an hour that we missed it with herbicide application. You cannot tell this. With a fungicide, and if the fungicide has lost its efficacy against that particular organism, you gotta have boots on the ground and in the field and back that up then with the culture work.
3: Definitely, and I guess another thing that's part of the reason that we have specifically focused this product on being launched in the southern market is because of the growing concerns regarding this resistance issue. And in addition to that, not only is it gonna be made for the south, it's also made in the south. So it's actually manufactured over in Georgia.
0: Where can folks go to find out more about what BASF has going on in Mississippi?
3: We have this app that is called GrowSmart Live. And so anybody can go on to that app and uh, look up information specifically about BASF products. Uh, we also have links to our labels on there. Um, we have articles on there with agronomic information. Um, there's economic information as well. So it, it's kind of like a... Um, you know BASF social media and then if you want to get more exclusive information then you can sign up and be a part of Grow Smart Live Plus
0: well thank you all so much for spending part of your afternoon with us again certainly thank you for sponsoring the short course hope y'all are getting a lot of value out of being here and interacting with some people Andrew maybe that you hadn't yeah. had an opportunity to meet yet
2: no it's been a great time so far as my first short course here uh, and hope to be not the last here and for sure but I thank y'all for having us on here, and it's been a pleasure to be a sponsor for this, as well as just be involved in general with it. We appreciate it.
0: The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.